0: You're listening to Therefore I Geek, episode 147. I'm the dude.
1: And I'm your special special guest referee for the evening. I'm a man that goes by many names. The back alley brawling shot calling man to the street. The final boss of the game of life. The fist punch and foot kicking, unquestioned, and undisputed dictator of fight picking. And the man with no name. Your buddy Chris.
0: I, there he is. See, you were making up for the last Royal Rumble podcast we did where you stepped on
1: yourself. Listen, it's WrestleMania season. I'm being seen by, you know, sixty-eight thousand people. I gotta make my impression. So I have a job come uh next year.
0: There you go, man. So this is it. This is the WrestleMania episode. We are following up from our last episode that we did with our good friend Chris on Royal Rumble. WrestleMania was last night all seven and a half glorious hours of wrestling. What, do we have an official runtime, Chris? Do you know what it is?
1: It was, uh, so the main show was about uh, five hours and change. I think it was like five and a half hours. And that's not even counting the pre-show where they do like a match-by-match analysis and have a couple of, uh, you know, not important enough for the main card matches. And in that, it was about seven and a half hours of one day of WWE programming there was an entire weekend full of this shit. From, oh my god! Yes, it was. Yes, in uh, WWE alone, it was uh, Friday was the Hall of Fame ceremony, which uh, is like watching paint dry. Uh, Saturday was, <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of like if you watch the Oscars and it's just four hours of the um, of the Lifetime Achievement Awards with no like mystery going in. That's pretty much what it is. Um, oh yes.
0: Yeah. So, folks, if you haven't figured out by now, we are just going to do wrestling from pillar to post on this episode. The Grand Bah Geek is here, but he's probably listening in the background, making sure that everything with our recording devices go correctly, and then he's probably going to clean the kitchen. So, Chris. So, let's dude. Just, uh, let's just jump right into this. WrestleMania 34, New Orleans. Going into this weekend, what were the things you were looking forward to? What were the things that you wanted to see? Because I know what I wanted to see. I wanted to see Ronda Rousey, and that was really kind of the a big draw for me it was a big weekend for a lot of people it was a lot of wrestling a lot of pro, um independent promotions a lot of you know of course the, the big company had their big show of course UFC 223 was uh melted d- down over the course of the last week but it was, it was cursed still a good event.
1: by cursed by a witch's hex really was
0: oh my goodness that yeah but we won't spend too much time on that but going into this I want to know
1: what were you looking forward to the most well In a general sense, this had a lot to live up for, because WrestleMania 30 was in New Orleans a couple of years ago, and that was probably the greatest WrestleMania of the modern era. A lot of really good feel-good moments, a lot of shocking moments with The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak, coming to an abrupt stop by the uh, glorious, beautiful man known as Brock Lesnar. But... um, There wasn't a whole lot of build to this particular card in the uh, weekly shows, but the card looked pretty amazing. Uh, I would say the thing that I was looking forward to the most was, uh, one, uh, Daniel Bryan returning from a two-year retirement to finally wrestle again. And two was kind of the, uh, as WWE was billing it, the dream match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship. We saw them wrestle in Japan uh, for New Japan's uh, Wrestle Kingdom. That's the practically the Japanese WrestleMania. And they put on just an incredibly enthralling match so that's what i was looking forward to the most
0: so let's do the pre-show real quick there were what three big pre-show matches it was a 30-man battle royale for the andre the giant memorial trophy a tournament for uh, a vacant wwe cruiserweight championship and a 20-woman battle royale for the wrestlemania women's battle royale trophy uh Interesting little side note, explain to the audience why it was that there was an Andre the Giant trophy named after Andre the Giant, but for some reason, the women's trophy doesn't have a name.
1: Yes, the uh, the name-redacted WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal trophy, it was... Um you know, W like we talked about on the Royal Rumble episode, WWE has been making kind of great strides to kind of elevate the women on the roster, kind of giving them all of these highlight matches. And so they thought for WrestleMania, we have a men's battle royale named after one of the legends that we always talk about. Let's do it for the women as well. So we will make The Fabulous Moolah, Women's Battle Royale. And And explain to us why that on first blush
0: seems nice, but when you dig into it, and by dig in, I mean do a Google search, (laughs) it turned into a horrible idea.
1: So the Fabulous Moolah is one of the uh women's wrestlers who wwe talks about all the time as being one of the quote unquote pioneers of women's wrestling so it's a name they throw around a lot a name with a lot of history so they figured uh because they didn't give it more than three seconds of thought this would be a perfect idea but what people with memories and an internet connection found out that the Fabulous Moolah was a monster, a legitimately horrible person who not only kind of set back the entire women's wrestling industry so she could profit from it, but was also, for all intents and purposes, a pimp for all the women that she trained. And uh, there were multiple allegations of her, you know, trading women for um, just all these terrible things. And fans went into a major uproar, and Snickers, who is the WWE's biggest sponsor— was like, you better get her the hell off this trophy. So they did.
0: So it's really amazing because
1: it's almost like
0: take your specific field of entertainment and then add the, the villain and name her an award for that field. So it's almost like having like the Lorena Bobbitt Award for Best Male Porn Performer. Or, like, or the like Bill Cosby Lifetime Achievement Award in Comedy. This was yeah, tone was deaf good. to the toppest level.
1: Yeah. And I, I remember the night it actually happened, I kind of equated it to if you had a special award at the Oscars and you had all the best women filmmakers and you went up on stage and you were holding the Harvey Weinstein Achievement for Women Filmmaking and right. the statue was like him like jerking off into a tree or something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> potted plant let's let's get that one right oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> but it, but yeah <laughs> no but it's it,
1: it, it was an unfortunate kind of rain cloud on top of it but and it was a real shame because but it cleared the,
0: up quickly enough
1: yeah yeah snickers uh the nutty hammer of snickers came down quite hard on wwe
0: all right, so let's, let's let's get into the the matches then. We have the, the 30-man Battle Royale. Just really quickly explain to me the difference between a Royal Rumble and a Battle Royale. And I did not get to see the pre-show, so just give me a brief overview of how this played out.
1: Um... So Battle Royale is a match as old as dirt. It's pretty much you have uh, every man man you can think of that's not doing something on the roster, put them all all into the ring at the same time and just let kind of mayhem explode. They're all gonna punch and kick and kick and punch each other and try to throw each other over the top rope until one person remains. It's kind of like um, if this was a waterfall, of a match the royal rumble is more of a steady stream where you have um one a couple of people entering in every couple of minutes but the matches of the rules remain the same um as for the match itself it was very much a nothing match uh it was pretty much just a haven for everyone that wasn't doing something already already on the main roster um one good thing though was the now broken, or should I say woken Matt Hardy was the winner of it. And um but I don't know if I uh, talked about it much on the last show, but WWE is now letting Matt Hardy do the weird kind of late life gimmick that he was doing on the indies, which is pretty much like a wrinkle in time mixed with backyard wrestling, where he's this really bizarre, ethereal character. And um they let him do his backyard wrestling segment on Raw and it was a big hit. So he got the win here.
0: Man, I remember that backyard wrestling crap from when I was a kid. You remember those like late night infomercials where it was basically back extreme backyard wrestling? And yeah, that's basically watch teenagers in the Midwest do stupid stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's um well that stuff had a huge appeal to it because you know, you're young and stupid and you watch TV late at night, hoping for the next like you know, huge thrill. And that's actually it's kind of
0: usually a girl's gone wild infomercial. That that was usually what I was waiting for. Is in between what like Commercial breaks of Ease Wild on with Brooke Burke. You'd wait for like either the infomercial for Girls Gone Wild and occasionally you'd see Backyard Wrestling.
1: Oh, yeah. Every um, all throughout middle and high school, every night at 1 a.m. on the MSG channel, I would watch uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling, which was like the big hardcore wrestling Uh, promotion at the time. And, you know, you'd have the Girls Gone Wild commercials, you'd have the chat lines, you'd call up and have some phone operator um, explain, play play someone who is interested in you. Um, All those and um, all those kind of weird things. So, Um, Very much a nothing match, but uh, someone that I like a lot won, who is going through a weird- So
0: the second match was a tournament final, which had been going on since the beginning of the year, uh, with 205 Live, and it was a Cruiserweight Championship match. Explain to us who was uh, involved in this and- and what the significance of this victory is
1: so since january there has been a um like you mentioned an open tournament for the cruiserweight championship it's very much been um all the cruiserweight matches on the weekly shows have very much been the uh the piss break matches if you were for uh since about last year uh last wrestlemania because for a good decade or so, those were always the women's matches. But you can't do that anymore, so uh, they're gonna—they were doing it with the cruiserweights. So they were kind of languishing for a while until January, where the champion who was holding the championship, uh, his name was Enzo Amore. He was a like a bridge and tunnel, New Jersey Guido douchebag kind of character. Got fired for WWE for failing to disclose that he had rape charges against him. So the Oops. entire division, yeah. So the entire division was rebooted, and got a kind of a really good, swift. Um, new coat of paint. So you have all these cruiserweight guys doing some amazing uh, acrobatics and wrestling. And the two guys that we saw fight yesterday were the two standouts. I would say, whatever. Uh, It was... I, I know this is going to be your gimmick uh, from uh, <laughs> for this. This is this is your uh, your what you're going to do, brother, type of thing. It's your catch. It's gonna be, <laughs> If you're going to make a shirt from this podcast, it's probably going to be like me with a word bubble about to say fight and you with a bigger word balloon saying uh, Russell. <laughs> oh, we're making
0: that shirt. <laughs> oh, when Andrew starts editing this, he's got to start working on that shirt. It's that – what we were gonna do? Romulans always suck. That was the other shirt we were planning on. A different st- st- story for a different time. So this, these two guys. Tell us who these guys are.
1: Uh, Cedric Alexander, who was a um, he was a guy wrestling on the independent scene. Very big heavyweight guy who drastically cut weight just to become a uh, two hundred five pound wrestler and uh, he wasn't really known too well. He was known somewhat on the independent circuit, but came to WWE and just just walloped the competition, just was a very kind of death-defying type of guy, very emotional type of guy. And the other guy is Mustafa Ali, a uh, kind of a, a Pakistani wrestler from Chicago who during his kind of tryout matches was using his vacation time from the police force to come and wrestle, and when he got back, everyone like he kept it a secret but everyone already knew so everyone was kind of ripping him on it and he's also (laughs) kind of he's also really incredible he does a um, he came out to the ring wearing this like cybernetic Sub-Zero outfit this like combination Sub-Zero and Iron Man outfit where it was he got all the cold ice coming in he was wearing the mask had the kind of repulse the frost cannon on his hand and um Cedric it Alexander really elaborate yeah, it really is this this wrestlemania had some really really great entrances and cedric alexander came out dressed uh, in a black panther outfit um they had a really amazing match uh it should have been on the main show because but it was
0: so you enjoyed it a lot We're good good pre show match then
1: very good pre show match i felt it should have been on higher on the card uh wwe is not very good at kind of elevating their secondary titles in the way that say ufc is
0: right right uh now let's talk about real quickly the 20 women battle royale was it that much different from the 30 man battle royale i mean instead of a it's interesting because the when the when the men's battle royale was over they got like a statue a very creepy gold-ish but looking plastic statue of andre the giant obviously they couldn't have a plasticky statue of a fabulous moolah but in this case they got what appeared at least you as you described a stretched out uterus uh talk to us about this one
1: this was a pretty fun battle royale as well it was a lot shorter but it was uh was a little more exciting because we saw a lot of um trainees from nxt kind of come up and kind of formed their own alliance. They kind of stood in the middle of the ring with their fists stretched and just started beating on all of the kind of established superstars. And you saw a lot of people from... The NXT show that uh, you really like seeing—you see uh, Kyrie Sane with her, you know, godlike death-defying elbow drop. You saw uh, Bianca Belair with her incredibly long hair that she uses like an Indiana Jones whip, complete with the uh, sound effect crack. Uh, it was, um, like I said, it was a pretty enjoyable quick distraction uh that uh again the they that i felt a very good woman won it Uh, naomi was the one who won it that has unfortunately we didn't get to see her very elaborate entrance which involves black lights and neon and her like doing this Crazy cheerleading dance coming down to the ring. But she won the big gold uterus, so that was awesome.
0: (laughs) It it did definitely kind of look like a big, stretched out uterus. So we're off to the main event, and the first match of the night is a triple threat match for the WWE Intercontinental Champion, which at that point was being held by The Miz. And his other two opponents were I would what I would say would be uh, fan favorite Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, who also appears to me to be a, a pretty big fan favorite, but maybe more along the lines of like hardcore fan or, or maybe a, a smart fan favorite. I don't know what their
1: Mainstream appeal is? Other way around. Um, other way around? Yeah. it's um, Well, I mean, they're both kind of, they both kind of made their ways on the independent scene, were very well known. Thun Balor was a kind of a very dominant cruiserweight in Japan, and Seth Rollins was at the top of the kind of independent scene for the uh, mid to late 2000s. But uh, I'd say Finn Balor is more the, I guess, the 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 smart fan favorite and Seth Mm. Rollins, who is, you know, this isn't a knock on Seth Rollins. The thing with him is lately on the weekly television, he has been just a tour de force to watch. He's been kind of in these, you know, half hour gauntlet matches, just going complete balls to the wall. And he's really kind of. He's really kind of endeared himself again to a lot of people, and he's a very accomplished wrestler in terms of WWE as well. So
0: when I watched this, this is the second triple threat match. Uh, I think the first one I've watched, I should say, the second triple match, uh, I've, threat match I have watched. The first one I think was between Braun Strowman, Brock, and. Kane during the Royal Rumble so I don't know how I feel about triple threat matches they do kind of seem what's fun to me about them is that you'll they'll be going at it all three wrestlers be going at it and then one guy gets hurt and then he rolls out of the ring and lies there for a while and then the two guys will continue to go on and then one gets kind of knocked down and the other guy jumps in, and they go back and forth it's almost like a tag team match without a actual team. What I'm curious what you think of these kind of matches and how do you think this one played out with uh The Miz losing his championship belt to Seth Rollins.
1: You know, The Miz had um you know, we were talking about fan favorites before, but um The Miz is a guy that's really started to also kind of endear himself to a lot of Fans far and wide, because I think you mentioned this uh, while we were watching the show together. You're like, that's the guy from the real world, isn't it? Yep. Um. Yeah, and that's I'm what I'm mad wa- that
0: I recognized him.
1: Yeah, and that that's made me mad. Yeah, because he's like late seasons, uh, yeah. Real World, from what I remember. That's, uh,
0: that's what I was watching. That's what I was yes. watching it. Like that's the thing. When I was, that's when I was watching the Real World was like in in the in like the late '90s and early 2000s.
1: Yeah, but he's been for the past, I'd say, year or two. He's been just in terms of being a character, been absolutely on fire. Like, he's always had a criticism that, you know, he's the safe, goofy WWE wrestler. And uh, Daniel Bryan, who was kind of the Jesus to hardcore fans, kind of level those accusations to his face on TV. And The Miz just unloaded on him with the promo of a generation just saying how he doesn't get injured because he loves this business. And like, I can't do it justice from describing you. you gotta go find The Miz's uh, promo on Talking Smack. But The Miz held the belt for quite a while. It was a... Very hot curtain jerker of a match. Very exciting stuff. Um, Can we talk about really the Misses
0: entrance real quick before we go into the match too deeply? Because I imagine the folks in the Superdome in New Orleans didn't see the graphics that were the people at home would see. But they had these messages, and what what did the, what did the Miz have as his graphic as he came in?
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of people had these weird like AR 3D models for entrances, and the Miz's was just like a giant sign of his name, and a lot of small descriptors of him to the side. It was like celebrity, champion, movie star, and then on the top right was hot wife. I feel which, like that's
0: that was that should definitely if I have an entrance. That will definitely be part of my entrance.
1: Because, Well, I thought, well, one, it's an absolutely true statement. Not that you're a hot wife, but that the Miz has a <laughs> hot wife. Uh, Maurice is just an absolutely beautiful woman. But the problem that I had with that is, like, you have all of these descriptors of the Miz, but then you have hot wife. So is it, like, is Miz the hot wife in this? Or, like, what's, what's going on with that? I mean, I wouldn't probably deny it that he is, but... It kind of made it seem like he was the hot wife there.
0: Yeah, but looking at a picture of his wife, if if all you
1: need to do is look at her and all the confusion is gone. Yeah, she's she's beautiful. Um she unfortunately wasn't here because she just gave a bait she just had a baby about uh 2 she weeks gave ago. A baby. She gave a baby out of her, yes. Gave a baby out of her body. Yes. So, unfortunately, she wasn't here. And uh, And as far as the match
0: goes, you thought...
1: Very exciting opener. Um, These three guys, you know, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor are known for being... Really, really fast and really, really kind of high-impact wrestling. And they already had a few matches on the weekly shows on Raw that... And this match kind of built upon that, had a lot of callback cues. And um, it didn't let up for a minute. It was, I would say, the perfect opening match for a show that needs a lot of momentum because it's five and a half goddamn hours.
0: Oh, oh yeah. So... The next match is one that I was looking forward to because this actually played or was a continuation from Battle Royale a few months earlier, and this was Charlotte Flair and Asuka. So if you remember the Battle Royale uh, or Royal Rumble, uh, Asuka wins the the Royal Rumble and has a choice between uh, having a match with Charlotte Flair, who is the SmackDown champion, right?
1: Yes, the SmackDown women's champion. The SmackDown
0: women's champion and then Alexa, Bliss, who is the Raw champion, and she doesn't get a chance, Asuka doesn't get a chance to make a decision because Ronda Rousey decides to upstage everyone and point to a sign. Later on, Asuka finally does make a decision and she picks Charlotte Flair. I was actually looking forward to this one a lot. I wanted to see these two women perform. I enjoyed this one a lot. What did you think of this one? Because there's a little bit of controversy because Asuka was coming into this with an unbeaten streak and did you feel that it was fair or right for Asuka to lose her streak at this moment in WrestleMania against Charlotte
1: Flair? If there is anyone or any time where Asuka was going to lose her streak, it might as well be at WrestleMania and it might as well be to Charlotte Flair because it's, you know, the problem with the streak sometimes it's uh, a little unwieldy because it do, it's not about, you know, who's going to win the match or what the story of it is. The story is always kind of will the streak be maintained and that kind of limits your stories And so they built up Asuka as this utterly horrifying uh, buzzsaw that will just kick your face off until you're unconscious. And you have her going up against Charlotte Flair, who is known right now as probably the pinnacle of WWE women's wrestling. So it's a great matchup. It's really, it felt big and so for oscar to lose this it doesn't make her look bad at all and, and it was bad. a good show they put on a, th- a 13 minute match
0: that was i thought very entertaining
1: i thought honestly this was the best match of the night by far hmm. it it had big stakes going in had a very simple story the greatest champion versus the greatest streak who canonically in wwe beats goldberg's streak So it just, very simple story, very big stakes, and there was, uh, Asuka doesn't look bad at all for losing this.
0: So uh, on the top of Asuka, now that the streak is over and they've kind of freed up the character, so to speak, where do we go? Where do you think the company takes this
1: character? I think she it's kind of tough to say because she may because right now after WrestleMania, you have a lot of call ups from NXT, the WWE's farm system. She has a lot of people that she kind of crushed in NXT, maybe looking to come up to get some comeuppance. Uh, Ember Moon, who Mm. we saw in the Women's Royal Rumble, they have a huge story where Asuka just beat her senselessly, almost to the point of cheating. So it's possible that she may come up on this Raw and try to kind of pick at her bones right now um you might even have her go up against ronda rousey because um, mm. eventually you're gonna have to kind of move we'll get into this in a little bit but you're gonna have to kind of move ronda rousey away from being you know the special attraction match to being actually a part of the women's roster
0: sure she can't keep beating up stephanie mcmahon over and over again eventually as much fun as that was to watch it's gonna get old but before we get into that, I wanted let's talk about the the fatal four-way match for the WWE United States Championship between Ginger Mahal, Randy Orton, who was the current holder of the title or the then holder of the title, uh, Bobby Roode, who I'm not, who I'm not, I'm not familiar with, and another one. Yeah, and another big fan favorite, Rusev. Day. A little bit of disappointment here because Ginger Mahal winds up winning the United States Championship. Something I think a lot of people a didn't expect and b didn't want to see. And on top of that, he pins Rusev. What
1: the heck was that? Yeah, this was... I didn't feel a lot of pain going into this because I knew this was going to be the match that was going to kind of stink up this particular mania because originally it was billed as just uh, Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, and Bob Rude, and they're all pretty much the same type of wrestler, the kind of punch, kick, punch, kick, big move, rest, hold, punch, kick, rinse, repeat type of wrestler. And there's no no one really likes um, no one likes Ginger Hall at all because they <laughs> stuck him. They stuck him with the WWE championship for like almost a year in a very blatant attempt to capture the Indian audience that they were trying to uh, grow. It uh, didn't really work too well because he's not a good wrestler in the slightest. Uh, you have Randy Orton who just been around forever, has greasy skull tattoos, and uh, can't uh, really needs to wear a cup when he comes out to the ring. And
0: <laughs> Although, I will say this, he, he was not bad this time. It wasn't a Jesus moment from the Big Lebowski. Uh, <laughs> at
1: least that thing was under control. It used to be bad as hell you it's it's no coincidence he was called the viper for so long and then you have bob rude who is again kind of a boring wrestler but he's known for having like a really good like character he has this really catchy theme song where the angels from the heavens sing glorious and, <laughs> and um he kinda, when he was down at NXT, he had this kind of holier than thou gimmick where he was like, you're all cretins in the audience. When I become champion, the audience will be replaced by presidents and dignitaries and millionaires. So it's like, goofy shit like that. Um, <laughs> I, love and like I that. Yeah, and I honestly... Uh, I saw him at a show in Brooklyn, and I actually went to the show dressed in a suit and tie and held up a Bobby Roode sign that's to awesome. show my support of him. Um, he gets called up to the main roster. I think Vince McMahon realizes that everyone sings along to his theme song, and that's his character. So... Uh not much development there. Rusev, on the other hand, um, you got a taste for it while watching the Royal Rumble, but people go mm-hmm. ape shit over Rusev. They go
0: bananas. Also, I love the dude who sings his entrance. I think that's a great
1: shtick. Aiden English, who I I I missed this during while watching the show, but he participated in the the Andre Battle Royale and he had a full head of hair. And when he came out to introduce his boy, he shaved it all off and put it into a man bun kind of thing because he wanted to debut his new look for Rusev. Oh. Yeah. So he just ran to the back, found the closest razor or bick or whatever, and just came out with a completely new hairstyle. Um, It's
0: kind of like when Zach Galifianakis was doing the Comedians of Comedy Tour and he opened and he had the beard and then he came back as his cousin in character. He just didn't have the beard. He just shaved while the other comedians were
1: performing. Yes. Um, Rusev was added to this match because he is a a merch money printing machine. He has one of my favorite pieces of wrestling uh, memorabilia, where it's what's called a Rusev Day calendar, and it's twelve months with pictures of just him, and every single day is Rusev Day. Like they don't. <laughs> That's like so don't, stupid. I love it. Yes, it is. They don't even have. They don't even have like Christmas on there. It's all Rusev Day. <laughs> priceless yeah. so
0: here's the thing about this match as interesting as these characters were and these, these wrestlers were i don't remember a minute of this match i found it completely unremarkable and unmemorable and the only thing i can remember about this match is Ginger winning and everyone in the room going oh come on
1: yeah That's i it. wish That's
0: all i remember this is not this is not a great match as far as i i remember do you did
1: you remember do you remember it differently it was mercifully short It needed to be this a match like this that goes on for 15 minutes would have sunk the entire show and after it's done you're like i still have four hours of this shit left to watch so it was
0: luckily this was only about eight minutes
1: it was very short um whatever we have roidy magoo jinder mahal as champion again with his whatever that's all
0: we need to say about
1: yeah with his back that looks like the crater of mars and his <laughs> and his uh, nipples that are just just the grossest puffy things you've ever seen. It's like it's like how could a how can you put that on TV? Yeah, rubber nipples from Ren and Stimpy. So yes,
0: let's get into the match of the night for me, and it was also um, the longest match, if not if not the longest, certainly one of the longest, top one or two. Of Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey uh, mixed tag team match against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. This is Ronda Rousey's in ring debut. Even you know this is her; where she's actually wrestling because she had shown up at the Royal Rumble to point at a sign really awkwardly. Not her fault. I think the writers and 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 whoever who blocks these scenes needs to think a little bit harder about what they're gonna do when these people come out and not talk into the mic. And she had been making appearances over the months leading up to this by you know throwing triple h into a table which i thought was all kind of cool but now we finally get to see if she can actually wrestle she was one of the best women's mma fighters in the history of the sport built that division helped build the company for that time she was in it gold medals in judo so a real pedigree lost her last two fights by knockout badly and basically decided that you know what i don't want to get kicked in the head as a profession anymore i really like professional wrestling let's try our hand at it and i we all wanted to see if she could actually pull it off and i will tell you this chris over the course of this 20 minute match i watched it intently I watched her closely. We had to deal with Mr. Potato Head and Triple H going at it for a little while. The and human that, they went on for crangle. a while, while. Yeah, the human thumb, Mr. Potato And his little scrawny arms that look like, look like Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> we had to put up with that for a while. But when Ronda got into the ring and went after Stephanie McMahon, it was entirely satisfying. And let me tell you, she, to me, she looked damn good for a premiere on WrestleMania. This is a big stage for, to make this your first match. I think Ronda pulled it off really well. What did you think?
1: With celebrities coming in to do wrestling with these special guest stars, you always as a fan, you're always kind of expect for the worst, hope for the best, because what it, it's always the same. Even if someone, you know, can't wrestle, has the wrestling ability of uh, Salmon they're still gonna win, they're still gonna make whoever they're fighting look like absolute dirt and look like the grand god of the wrestling ring. So even though Ronda Rousey has all this kind of athletic ability, you do kind of, I did kind of have very low expectations that she would be able to pick up um, pro wrestling and make it exciting. And I think because my expectations were so low, That I was just really blown away with how good she was. She like. Did you think she hit the
0: ropes well? Did she hit her spots well? Did she sell well? Because I thought she did all those things really, really well.
1: Even more than that, in an even deeper sense, she like acted like it was a kind of fight for her life, even though she was Mm -hmm. mostly fighting against a uh, boardroom executive. She's wrestling. She's wrestling
0: Stephanie McMahon, and I know people were killing her on Twitter, like. How was it that when Ronda fights actual fighters, that that arm bar of hers was her signature win and Stephanie McMahon is able to defend it? It's because it's a freaking show. Just enjoy it. Because we know if they were actually fighting, Ronda would murder Stephanie. It wouldn't even have been funny. We're trying to enjoy a show. I had no problem with that. It made perfect sense because they're wrestling, it's a show. Stop it, Twitter.
1: And honestly enough, it's like Stephanie McMahon sold Ron trying to get the arm bar in better than most people do because you know the arm bar in real life is a devastating move. It could break your arm yeah. in a couple or, of seconds. It absolutely in, did. I mean, there's a video of it in one of the UFC events. I can't remember who it was
0: now off the top of my head where a dude's forearm cracks and Herb Dean had us to come in there and stop the fight. And people are like, "Oh, he stopped the fight early. He didn't tap." And then when they ran the replay, you could hear the entire crowd watching the replay live go, "Ooh!" <laughs> like, uh, like it's a it's a dangerous move to do. So, yeah. they I thought they did it safely. And again, I, the fact that yeah. Stephanie could block it, what three or four times, it's it's, it's a yeah. show. It was it it made it entertaining to watch.
1: Yeah. And the problem with the arm bar with a lot of people doing like there's a wrestler named Alberto Del Rio, who his signature move is the arm bar. But the problem is he like sinks it in completely, but he oh, uses God. it as use it as has it in for like a good five minutes because he pretty much uses that to get like a quick snooze before the big finish. The match. <laughs> I, you know, right? It's horrible. It's like, you know. I kind of understand, you know, you kind of understand that wrestling is a show at a very young age, but sure. you kind of, you want to put a little bit of realism into it, so you don't want to see, like, these kind of lame rest holes. and that's why I always got drawn to wrestlers like Taz, who have this type of, if not real MMA experience, at least some sort of training where it kind of looks like they're trying to fight for the submission or whatnot. So I was very surprised that Stephanie was able to um, put this together really well so uh, yeah it was
0: there are definitely wrestlers there who could make the submissions look right and ronda did it and you can watch it and you go i've watched ronda for a long time so when i saw the arm was like okay that doesn't look like her old arm bar but it looks like a wrestling arm bar that convincing and even in, in the later matches when shinsuke was putting in a triangle hold i was like that that's actually a correct triangle i mean he's not sinking it in obviously because if he did his opponent would pass the hell out but you know it looked convincing and that's real all, all you got to do it for me is is sell it properly
1: yeah is another one that she's became so you know fun to watch not because she has not only because she has a deep move set but when she does all those moves not only does it look real but it looks like she's summoning the uh the fires from hell to put this on you and make you great right. so, so it's a very entertaining match i really enjoyed it and I it was what, 20 I want minutes to ask long two for, questions yeah, about, yeah sorry about yeah
0: that. It, was, it was it was long no no it's fine it was long but i thought this one didn't feel long whereas like the the four way match felt long this one didn't i was very entertained by it. so ronda's Costume and and uh, comment on Ronda's costume and comment on where we go forward because now Ronda is not a celebrity guest; she's now part of the promotion. She's on the roster. She's in this. Where where does it go forward? Is she going to stay Rowdy Ronda uh, Rousey, or is she going to be something different now? Because I noticed the other women wrestlers have all these kind of glitzy, glamoury, sparkly outfits, and Ronda's was really toned down. I appreciated it, but where does we where do we go forward with this?
1: Well, she needs to go forward away from the uh, sexy Halloween version of the rowdy rowdy Piper outfit. Come on, I actually like that. It's 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 once once she got in the ring, she looked really cool. It was you know simple kilt off. Yeah, it looked she looked simple and understated, which is like which is like Stone Cold level. You know, you look very simple because you're a badass and you let your violence do the talking for you. But when she came out with like the 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 Halloween miniskirt and the leather jacket I just and the the raccoon um, the raccoon eyeshadow he just uh, kinda you just kind of laughed I, for a minute <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, I love that look I will say this you are right that the eyeshadow didn't stick the way Stephanie's did but I I actually did quite enjoy that look uh, and what do you think about
1: her going forward I think um, I'd be very interested in seeing how her character develops you know she can either Because right now she's playing the, you know, the very, uh, very affable, very friendly fan of the WWE that just happens to be absolutely horrifying in real life. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to go with her character because um, her buddy, her MMA compatriot, uh, Shayna Baszler... Is in NXT right now, and she's kind of like the dark version of that—the real MMA athlete who looks down on pro wrestling, who puts you in, you know, all these horrible holds to make you pass out, and just pecks at you like a like a cat playing with a dead mouse. So I do hope they keep Ronda at least trying to be a babyface they need to work on her like promo skills cause they need a whole lot of work for this.
0: Okay. Good to know. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't touch the mic much. And so I I have not seen her on the mic. So moving forward, This match worried me, and mercifully it was short. It was a triple threat tag team match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship between the Bludgeon Brothers, the uh, Defending Champs, the Usos, and the New Day, or at least two of the three uh, New Day members. Luckily, this one didn't broach six minutes, and you were right. The Bludgeon Brothers absolutely look like they're bad guys from some sort of MMORPG. Take your pick. Skyrim... uh, Conan, X, I was like, whatever, whoever you want them from. And they wind up walking away with the win in very entertaining fashion. I like this match probably because it was short. I feel like if this one hit above the 10 minute mark, I'd be pulling my eyeballs out. But overall, I enjoyed this one.
1: Yeah, this was – there's a ton of super, super talented people in this uh, tag team match. Uh, The Usos, who are the defending champions, had a kind of a career renaissance lately where they're not the, you know – The smiling Samoan, you know, clap and clap and cheer type of guys that are just, you know, like dangerous street thugs right now. And they have just been on point like crazy for the past year or so. And the New Day have, you know, for a while, they were the most entertaining thing in WWE, just really bizarre humor. And what we saw today... uh, Yesterday at WrestleMania, with their uh, pancake and gravy 3D fountain and a bunch of little people dressed up like uh, pancakes, breakdancing. Yes. Um, So it would be good to see them in you know on the big stage of wrestlemania for a very long and emotional match but like i said before it's a it's a uh what's it called
0: it's already a it, packed show it's already a packed card we don't need it i really i enjoyed it for the brevity and you're right it was very entertaining but man if that ran another minute longer i think i would have started to scream
1: yeah it's it's Unfortunately, this is kind of like a casualty of having a good show with a lot of, with decent momentum going. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you have Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey running a little long, so this might might be one of the matches that takes the hit a little bit, but they did, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of very entertaining characters in this. Uh, you're mentioning the Bludgeon Brothers. I was calling them like Dark Souls villains. Mm-hmm. Uso Usos, I was calling Saint Row villains because they usually have the color-coordinated gang outfits. Yeah. And the and the New Day I was calling uh Kingdom Hearts uh <laughs> players. Because they're always they're super anime. Yeah. Always. And uh there wasn't they usually have a very nerdy theme to their costumes. One year they came out dressed like Saiyans from Dragon Ball Z. The year before, they came out dressed like Final Fantasy uh, characters. They didn't do much this year except for play the uh, Green Power Ranger Dragon Sword song on the trombone. But that was kind of fun. Right. Yeah. So, um... So- The Bludgeon Brothers, they're the scary heels. Uh, They squashed the hell out of these two teams and won the championships.
0: So I want to do The the Undertaker and John Cena. Let's just talk real briefly about the whole shtick. So if there was more of this, I'd watch way more wrestling. I love the shtick here with with Midlife Crisis, John Cena sitting there next to a pregnant woman who did not want to be on camera. Oh, no. And then him getting him during or d- soon after the Charlotte-Asuka match running to the backstage and then coming out. Everyone's shouting John Cena sucks, him expecting The Undertaker, and then Elias comes out. And then he leaves, <laughs> and then Elias talks mad shit, and then Cena wipes the floor with him, and then Undertaker shows up and houses Cena in under three minutes. This, this is why I watched this show this is the kind of crap that makes me happy undertaker coming back after uh, you know coming out of retirement and doing a quick beat down of john cena that was entertaining from top to bottom loved it
1: it was it was the best running gag of this wrestlemania um week after week we've been kind of seeing john cena slowly devolve into a midlife crisis when he realized that he doesn't have a spot on the wrestlemania card Um, And he was so
0: good. His face,
1: his reactions are so good. He's so much fun to watch. There was a great moment on one of the previous pay-per-views where he was trying to weasel his way into the uh, Universal Championship match in a cage elimination match. He gets eliminated, and the director, uh, Kevin Dunn, who had probably one of the shots of his career, shows John at the outside of the cage, and it's looking up at the WrestleMania sign, and the cage door closes right on it. (laughs) And uh, throughout this show, uh, throughout most of the pre-show and the beginning of the show, we see John Cena uh, sitting ringside, uh, trying way too hard to look like he was having a good time, but was, like, dying inside. But the minute, yeah pretty much what you, the, what you said happens with him running to the back on the mere mention of the Undertaker. And one of the funniest moments was the lights going out, expecting the, and we were all expecting the Undertaker's dong, mm-hmm. but we got Elias' wang from his do acoustic people
0: <laughs> Do people appreciate, first off, that was fantastic. Second off, do people appreciate Elias the way I do? Because I get it. It's do do. Am I the only one who gets it? Am I, or do the insiders get this? Because I think no. his, I, I saw about the um, Royal Rumble. I thought he was great, and a couple of his promos during the quote unquote commercial breaks. He's great, right? Do people appreciate how great
1: he is? People, it's it's such a weird thing because people really love him. So they you get this weird chance uh, mix of boos and cheers. So they hear the strum, like the lights go out. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, Elias. <laughs> no! And everyone just like starts cheering because they know Elias is going to like make fun of them in their hometown. <laughs> and... <laughs> I know. shtick his,
0: his is so good. And, lo- in, and he can yeah. wrestle. He is a legit wrestler.
1: He's come a long way. He used to he's a guy that um he was a guy that came in, was kind of a very generic wrestler, and you see him start to slowly piece together this character. Mm-hmm. And um, I, at, I, I, I
0: yeah, first, yeah,
1: so he is a lot of but, people. I mean, he was a lot of fun during but the this. real
0: star. The real star, of course, is the Undertaker coming back, wiping the forward John Cena and looking great. As he did it. The Undertaker spent more time on the intro and outro than he did with Cena in the ring.
1: You kind of have to, or else that new hip of his is gonna pop out. Yeah, uh, yeah, because but he did look incredibly cool coming like returning from the depths of hell and just being super quick and super scary and just mauling John Cena in a very quick and decisive match. There's there's really nothing funner than seeing John Cena get murked (laughs) quick fashion.
0: So the other big emotional moment of the night is Daniel Bryan and Shane, really just the return of Daniel Bryan, but his tag team match with him, Shane McMahon, up against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who I believe are the two best heels of that night. They just look the part and they sell it so well. But I want to spend more of our time focusing on the significance of Daniel Bryan, coming back, why it's significant, and how do you feel that now he is going to be presumably, a permanent fixture going forward.
1: When I read that during the day, that was the news that he was kind of coming back. It was very much uh cancel all my appointments. I'm emotional right now. Because right. Daniel Bryan, it can't be overstated enough how he was the most popular wrestler since John Cena at his prime. He's really... He has everything that uh, kind of a seasoned fan looks for, just an amazing moveset, set, real fire within him. And he's also grown to be a great, like, WWE-style hero, that very loud and broad and boisterous. And right at the moment where he was at... He just reached his peak. He was kind of forced to retire um, because... Due the to w- injuries. Due to injuries, yes, because uh, WWE's doctors wouldn't uh, clear him. He had a lot of concussion issues. Um, he was he was you know working really hard to get better because you can tell in like shoot interviews that he was doing that he was working on rehabilitating himself many doctors were clearing him but WWEs weren't And so he was kind of teasing that when his contract runs out in September, he may leave. So um, I think WWE had a kind of a difficult choice to make, whether they're going to let this perfectly healthy guy go and wrestle on the indies and make a lot of money or keep him around. So I think they um, I think that's part of why they let him back in. But it was a very emotional emotional bit of news to hear he is it's hard to describe his appeal he just really connects with you Mm -hmm. he's he's the underdog guy that is incredibly talented at wrestling and just you want to see him win real freaking badly. And tonight was his so first. After match.
0: that we Oh yeah, no, that was that was that's something. I I'm, I'm curious to see what he gets to do moving forward. Uh the next match was Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss. This was a real snoozer. This was probably my piss break match. I really didn't pay attention a lot to it. It was 5 minutes too long. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but Nia Jax takes the WWE Women's Raw Championship from Alexa Bliss, a woman who looks like has to be 120 pounds lighter and have, and a have full foot. Shorter. And it really was a good emotional win for that character and how they set it up, but this was not, I had, I have nothing on this one. So.
1: Yeah, oddly enough, this was the match that um, I guess had, out of all the matches on this card, had the most, uh, the longest buildup to it, where uh, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax were best friends, but Alexa Bliss uh, ends up being kind of the bottom-of-the-barrel mean girl, saying that, oh, I was just mean using girl, yeah. Nia, yeah, I was just using Nia Jax, uh, you know, she's just, look at her and look at me, blah, blah you know, th- that old chestnut. Sure. Um, and not for Naya's, for, to Naya's credit, she's been kind of uh selling the build to this very well. She's just become super enraged. And this match did go on a little too long because I thought this was just going to be just an instant, really gratifying squash of Alexa. But it was a mm-hmm. full on, full on match, it wasn't a bad match, but it um. This was very much the biggest grudge match of the night, and there should have been a lot more anger to it. But I'd say it was a pretty good match in and of itself. I dug Nia Jax's, like, Michael Jackson, Captain EO outfit, the really weird gaudy gold thing. It looked really good on her, and um, I'm happy that she's the champion. I'm a huge fan of Nia Jax. Uh, North County, San Diego, uh, uh, a hometown girl just like myself now.
0: (laughs) Yes, you are a hometown girl. So the next match was AJ Styles defending his WWE Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. I know you were looking forward to this match since the Royal Rumble. This was something I think a lot of people were looking forward to. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. A lot of uh, a lot of really cool cheap shots and, and dirty tricks at the very, very end, really after the match. However, in doing my research for this, there were a lot of people who were disappointed in this match, thinking it was a little bit slower and more plotting than they expected from these two guys, considering they had wrestled together in New Japan. Is this a case of expectations being too high, or was this match somewhat underwhelming and under-deliver?
1: It felt like the first chapter of their wwe story as opposed to the end of it the kind of the gratifying climax it was more the the opening foreplay of their story and i think a lot of people were expecting it to be this kind of super emotional um super emotional kind of breakthrough which it wasn't it it was a very well wrestled Mm -hmm. match there are two of the greatest wrestlers of all time uh both in their uh, ability to connect and their just you know aj styles kind of acrobatic move set and the fact that shinsuke nakamura uh can knee the face off of you he was known as the king of strong style in japan and for really good reason Uh, This match felt like it was building up to, like it was going through the motions of its opening paces before getting to that kind of, that really emotional, oh shit moment. Because you haven't seen me when I get really emotional about wrestling. Mm. And when I watched this Wrestle Kingdom match from Japan, I got that way. It was just... My, I'm standing on my, I'm standing on my feet. Uh, My blood feels like it's about to jump out of me. I get really emotional. I didn't really feel that during this. I was sitting down, I was like, all right, all right. Golf clap, golf clap uh, during this. But that's not to say this wasn't a bad, this is a bad match. It was a very good match. Just not the emotional roller coaster that we expect from these guys. Um, We did get a very great, but I should say though, I don't, It was okay with me because I don't expect those types of matches from WWE too much. I more expect memorable moments. And the memorable moment we got from this was at the end when Shinsuke Nakamura was handing AJ Styles his one championship belt. Where it looked like he was being kind of the gracious loser. And right when he handed him- Which we got from
0: Asuka with the Charlotte match. She was very gracious, but Shinsuke had other plans.
1: Yes, he gave him the match, he bowed down to him, gave him the title, and right when AJ was about to revel in his grand WrestleMania moment, Shinsuke's fist connected right with AJ's cock and just <laughs> <Yeah>. embarrassed <laughs> got him, him. Got on, him right in the family. <laughs> got yeah. him in the man jewels. Right in the Jesus zipper. And let me tell you uh, something, AJ sold
0: that perfectly. Like that was, and the the guys who worked the cameras had that, had his face ready and he was like, ah!
1: <laughs> let me tell price Let like. me tell you something no one sells a nut shot better than AJ Styles. <laughs> Like there's a lot of things you can say about the the L'Oreal hillbilly that is AJ Styles. He AJ Styles. He is you know very accomplished technical wrestler, very deathifying high flyer. But when he gets hit in the nuts, you there's he should get an Oscar for that when that happens. <laughs> oh, that it was, was that was a lot of fun. So yeah, go ahead. yeah, no, it was just uh, you know match was match was good but the kind of moment at the end with shinsuke kind of ruining being a dickhead and ruining aj's grand moment that's the type of stuff yeah that's the type of stuff that i like walking away from uh for wwe as for pretty much
0: so I think, I think the cool thing about the great big takeaway from this is that there will be more to come and it'll probably just ramp up more and more. It's probably going to be like, what, maybe a year-long thing between the two of them. So the 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 second-to-last match was between Braun Strowman and The Bar for the WWE Raw Tag Team Championship. What was novel about this was that Braun Strowman picks out what appears to be a 10-year-old kid from the audience. I still believe that's like somebody in WWE's marketing department's kid. He to is. Be his I, I found oh he is okay yeah he is
1: the um he is the uh, in real life he is the son of one of the referees john cone perfect
0: right so basically i don't want to spend too much time on this one because we got to wrap up and i want to get to the brock and roman reigns match but i mean, be basically Braun knocked over something tag team with this kid. It was a, it was a great shtick and then proceeds to pummel the bar single-handedly a lot of fun, nice little four minute match and in, in leading into the main event. I mean, any big takeaways from this one? I don't really think so.
1: This is as a, you know, I've been a wrestling fan since I was really little and this, what we witnessed last night was the ultimate wish fulfillment for the six year old or seven year old wrestling fan to be plucked out from the audience by a giant, Giant, violent Virginian man, and asked to def- to win the tag team championship belt at WrestleMania. It is, if I was in there, I'd not only be going crazy, but when we were watching this match, the kid Nicholas, uh, he would he tagged himself in to get in on the action, and kind of froze when he was going up against Cesaro. I think I would be so crazy that I would just like run up to Cesaro and headbutt him in the nuts. But, <laughs> though I suppose they've reached their uh, quota on ball shots on this show. So. Yeah, after
0: Shinsuke, you're not, you're not magic. So let's talk about the 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 WWE Universal Championship between um, the Giant Man Baby of Brock Lesnar and. <laughs> and the what the oversized male underwear model of Roman Reigns which to me I understand that Brock is a big favorite and Roman Reigns I, I just feel gets is getting shafted because he's just they're not writing him properly and they're pushing him too hard and the fans are just not they're not taking that medicine but this match overall was a bit of a head scratcher and and ended the show in my opinion in a bit of a whimper not just because most of the match was these guys just doing doing big setup moves for nearly 15 minutes, but because the last I don't know, six minutes of the match, it's just Brock throwing Reigns around in a really unexciting manner, and then he you know, elbows Reigns in the head and makes him bleed. At least he did it properly this time, because you showed me a video where he did not, so at least it worked, and it also explained why Roman Reigns was super greasy when he came out, because it just spread it around. But in the end, Brock Lesnar still winds up winning, and the fans are just kind of confused. But I also feel like there's just, for the WWE, there was no way to win this? Because if Roman Reigns won instead of confusion, you'd see just bizarre fanboy frustration, screaming, autistic yelling. I mean, what was your take on this one?
1: I honestly thought that this was the the best route to go because you know we've mm-hmm. seen, um, you know we've seen Roman Reigns triumphant a lot at WrestleMania, and there's really you're really treading normal ground for him winning the championship again, championship again. Um, it's just like him going to be all super confident, being like, this is my yarn now, bitch, and uh, squashing whoever is the fan favor. They'll probably bring over Rusev or something. But um, Brock Lesnar is an interesting uh, wrinkle in things because prior to this weekend, uh, Dana White from UFC announced that Brock Lesnar is coming back to the Mm -hmm. UFC and so, which kind of mirrors WrestleMania 31, where everyone thought that Brock Lesnar was going to drop his championship and go back to UFC and the opposite announcement was made. So a lot of people were very confused because they thought, you know, this was the swang song for Brock Lesnar, the big baby gorilla who just does his like two moves of doom. Uh, this was his swan song, he was finally gonna get out of here, but he wasn't, he won. He uh, bloodied up Roman Reigns and I popped for that because there is, you don't see it too much anymore, but there's nothing crazier than seeing just what's called a crimson mask on someone. Especially Roman Reigns mm-hmm. who looked like just utterly savage, just like state of his gross red face was awesome. Um, I'm curious if they try to go the uh, midlife crisis route with uh, John Cena, with Roman Reigns, kind of like he kind of flew too close to the sun and just got burned. Um, I Mm. really want them to take him in a good direction. He's really fucking good, Roman Reigns. He is – he fits a certain type of character where he is – hits those violent exclamation points. He's um, he's really good when you don't ask him to be the rock and try to do all this clever wordplay because he trips over his giant Samoan feet so many times when trying to do that. <laughs> and he just yeah. looks like a giant greasy idiot. So um, they should let him be his own thing, I really hope. Um, this, you know, a lot of people were kind of bored by this, but... This honestly kind of made me curious of what's going to come next for him. So I dug it. Yeah, maybe maybe we're turning the corner with him. Yeah, and this was honestly the best match you can get out of, you know, both of these guys because you had those... They weren't kind of, you know, laying down on the mat trying to do these boring grapples. They were hitting some, you know, the big moves everyone wanted to see. There was the one guy in the crowd with the suplex counter that was holding mm-hmm. up the numbers whenever Brock Lesnar hit his suplexes. And that was Paul, funny. Yeah. And you had Paul Heyman at ringside, be, the best base like, in, the, in the whole thing. He's one of the greatest figures in all of wrestling. He is amazing. Um, if you ever watch uh, Beyond the Mat, which was filmed in the '90s, you'll see him give this like Tom Landry inspirational speech to his group of hardcore garbage wrestlers, and it's the most inspiring thing you've ever <laughs> seen.
0: So, any final thoughts on on WrestleMania '34? I'd give this Overall, a Overall? thumbs up, thumbs down. I,
1: I'd give I would give this a pretty good thumbs up, actually, Joseph. I um, <laughs> the good the. The, the best thing about the the best thing you can say about a wrestling show that goes on for five and a half fucking hours is that it, <laughs> yeah, had, right. is that it has good momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, this had very good momentum. Uh, the big matches got a lot of time. Uh, the short matches, you know, there's a lot of people that we'd want to see given a, you know, a bigger platform to, but they had, you know decent short matches so overall i would say this is a win How all right you? on but
0: that n- on that note if you like what we do you can find this podcast on stitcher soundcloud itunes and youtube and check out the blog thereforeageek.com so for everyone here at thereforeageek i'm the dude
1: and i'm your buddy chris and i'm never watching wrestling again
0: <laughs> and you have been listening to the thereforeageek podcast
1: all right now to time to time to turn on
0: raw